Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous change makers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos. All right, Carl, welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, my friend. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, my pleasure. So today, and I said it in the, in the, um, in the intro, but today we are going to be digging deep. And that's, that's what your company does. That's what one of my companies does. That's what I like. That's the type of personal development and coaching that I love is getting really, really deep. So our audience today is going to really get a lot of clarity and awareness on why you need to go that deep, even though it's probably tougher and scarier and more pain associated and more stretch and growth. But you're going to let us know from a very professional stance why we need to go that deep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's so many benefits to it. But I think number one, when you bring more awareness to all their habits and your beliefs and the stories that you tell yourself, man, that's when things really open up for you. Because man, life is 99% mindset. And then after that, once you got that down, everything's so much easier. Talk about those stories for a second. So I always tell, uh, you know, there's a a training called Landmark. A lot of people hear me talk about it. I think it's one of the best out there. And they talk about the story versus what happened, right? Evidence versus emotion, the story versus what happened. And And then the world you live in in between is like what happened and the story you tell yourself. And then you just you just cast your life off that. So 99% mindset, like there are layers and layers and layers and layers to the stories that people tell themselves, right? We, like every day, if not every week. So you have that traumatic thing that happens what, when you're like five or 10. And then you, be, you shift your identity, right? To avoid the pain and fear. And then something else happens to you when you're 13, you shift again, you shift again, like, how do people even figure out who the hell they are or who they should be? You know? <laughs> well, I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. Yeah. We, we look at all the things that did happen to us, but we also forget like we are who we are. Like that was that, I wouldn't say it's good stuff, especially trauma, but it's also helped us and made us more resilient if we can look at it in the right way. Yeah. So for example, like, my dad, I was so scared of my dad. Um, he was a tough German. Uh, he grew up after World War II, born in 1947 in Germany, moved to Australia at 12, went straight to work. Wow. His dad was a bully. So, and he, my dad was mild, but he still scared the crap out of me sure. on a daily basis. So I would avoid him as much as I could until my teens when finally he started to have conversations with me, like I don't remember I even have a conversation with my dad till I was like, I don't know, 12, 14 years old, like a good conversation. And then even then it was like, it was hard until maybe my twenties. Why is that? He was not built to share emotions. Uh, He was not, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up in the eighties. I was born in 76. And even then, like, like, dust off, shut up, you know, get back out there. That was the attitude for kids in the 80s and 90s. And I don't think it was in maybe 2000s that we started to see, like, how all this emotional baggage has has helped us or formed us, I should say. What about, you know, I was talking to someone, uh, an interview we did last night, um, a guy named Shu who wrote a really cool book called I Took Her Name. And we were talking about parents and uh, actually I was talking to my buddy Austin the other day too, in an interview about parents and their responsibility to break the last generation's hold and patterning on them. So I, it's funny because we go all oh, like, not we, you and I are from around the same generation. And, and I would never say that to my kids. Well, that's just how, this is how, this is how it was back then. It's just, it's not, that's how our parents chose for it to be. And not and did not choose for it to be a different way. They like, I will have this this conversation with my parents anytime. They did not choose to learn a different way. 
they might not have been okay with the way that they did things, but they did not choose a different way, which made them okay with the way that, that they did things, that they responded. The challenge is that most of, most, uh, most of our parents, the ones that, I mean, I've interviewed and, and, and people, like I've had hundreds and hundreds of coaching clients, probably 95%, their parents did not know how to speak to them. Their parents did not have any emotional intelligence or understanding of feelings or, or emotions to, and then be, to be able to communicate that to a child. So you and I grow up where your dad's like, that's ah, just how it is. You know, dust yourself off, get back out there. And that's, that's so detrimental to a kid. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop this word, word out there because you and I are parents that do not do that. But I think it is lazy. I think it's very lazy. And, and, I, and I, welcome the, I welcome the fight on that, not from you, but from other people that see it differently. I'm not calling our parents lazy. I'm calling their actions and their lack of action lazy. Yes, I, I, I don't disagree with you. But what I think is when we fast forward, so your little girl's five, yep. she's going to fast forward in 20 years or 30 years, and she's going to look back and be like, that a-hole didn't do this, this, <laughs> no, and this, and I, this, I, I right? Yeah. And that's what our parents were, is they didn't do that because they didn't, a lot of this, there was no internet, so they sure. had to read books. And, like, my parents were poor, so, like, going, picking up books of, like, parenting, like, man, that was, like, maybe 1% of parents did that, you know? But isn't that lazy? Like, you know, there there's, could be a difference. You know, there probably is a better way. But to, to the pain of trying to find the new way versus the pain of dealing with the old way, is, I, I think that's like the, that's the part, like just the middle ground. I, you know what, though? Here's the thing, man. Like, I don't, I really don't think, like, I'm, I'm very conscious with my parenting. And I'm sure there are things that I do that will mess my kids up. I'm sure. There's never no <laughs> perfect kids. Never. I'm not perfect. Like I, I, you know, I have my traumas. I have my conditioning and patterning from my parents and I automatically react and then I'll catch myself. And I'm like, Ooh, that's definitely something my dad would have done. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just, I just, I wonder like what, what could have been different? And I know it's just all hypothetical, but like what would have been like for you or for me as a product of the eighties, to have had our dads especially sit down and say, hey, man, how are you feeling? Like, what are you, what are you going through in your head? Like, what, what's, what's, what, are you, what are you feeling inside? You know, like, I don't even know what that would have done to me. I think I would have. <laughs> yeah, would have opened up so many mental right. doorways. But I think it's, it's unfair to do that because no one did it I know. back then. And if not they no did, one. like, not no one, right? Like, there right. was always pioneers. But like, I mean, just think of, you know, so many things that uh, were late, man, I wish I would have invested in Bitcoin, you know, back in the day in 2012 or whatever. I know. And I, you know, and I read about it and I knew about it and I was like, man, like if I would have bought like 20 Bitcoins, you know, when I knew about it, but, but I can't beat myself up about that. And I think we can't beat our parents up about it either because they really, and to me, this is, I guess, just the optimistic. They tried and did the best they could with the knowledge that they had. I agree. So yeah. I think our job, I think any new generation's job, especially when you make another generation and both generations are existing and you're in the middle, like I don't have grandparents. Yeah, I don't have grandparents, um, like actual familiar grandparents. I have like family friends that I think are grandparents. But like, I really didn't have a lot of family growing up. They were, it was just, it was a wacky situation. So I had my parents' friends that were really like my aunts and uncles and grandparents. But like, when you are sitting in our position where you have a new generation you created and, and they're like, I, I don't know if your parents are still here, but my, my parents are still here and in their mid sixties, I, I took it on myself to say, okay, it's now my mission to change the trajectory, the knowledge, the mindset, the, the habits, the understanding of being a child and parenting for the generation previous, now, and in the future, right? That's what I took on. And so I, I'm not putting it on me to teach my parents and teach my kids and all that stuff. 
but I'm educating them. Basically, I'm sharing with them what I learned from my own growth and development, my own coaching uh, practice and the coaching that, that I get, you know, seminars and coaching stuff that I do or get co getting coached. I share all that with them in the hopes that they follow that lead. You know, that's why I put my dad on this podcast with me, partly to share his story so the rest of the world can benefit too, but also for him and I to level our game up for our family, him as the patriarch and me as the middle generation and then my children. So yeah, there is a way. And I think it just takes somebody to, to hold accountability and to realize that there's something really big at stake. Yeah. And I think that's one thing we have to look at is all in context of like, so my grandfather was a bully, but he actually would smack my dad around. My dad never smacked me around. He yeah. would intimidate me, um, but he never laid a hand on me out of anger. Sure. Um, and so like that was a level up for him. You know totally. what I mean? Like totally. it is a very small level up compared to like <laughs> where we're headed. But that's the thing. Everything's exponential. Like yeah. you put money in the stock market or Bitcoin, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Now it's like, oh, yeah, it's like exponential. Right. And I think you've got that right is like what we can put in now to our five year old and two babies. And, you know, and even the, like you said, like, hey, as a grandparent, you need to understand this, because if you're watching my kid, yeah. I don't want you doing what you did with me. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Do you hit that on the head? I. I'm not harsh with it, but I do say, I do say to my parents, like, please don't put the news on when my daughter's over there. I'm like, my son, I don't, he's not even one. Like he's not going to, doesn't matter at right now, but I want my parents to not have that habit that the news is on in every room. And this is just my wishes. I don't, I don't care that they watch the news. I mean, I kind of do, but I just don't want my kids hearing that sub subliminally in the background. And then just like, I remember hearing the news at, at my house when I was a kid and getting scared about scary things I heard on the news and then not having the skill or understanding to be able to ask my parents for clarification. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was, yep. I, I, that, that messed me up. I really did. I remember hearing yeah. about, no joke. I remember hearing about a, uh, a child kidnap case in Denver, Colorado. I'm telling you, I was six years old. I remember this like it was yesterday. Same thing was on unsolved mysteries too. Um, and they like kidnapped these kids out of their beds in their parents' house. Parents never found out, so nobody helped them. And they dropped, they dumped them in like a, uh, like a rest area toilet. Like the the toilet in this town, it was just a giant hole, and they put them down there. And I was oh. like, oh my god! I, and I, no joke, I used to. I used to sleep in my sweat sweatpants, sweatshirt, and like I had drumsticks and other like weapons underneath my pillow thinking like that's probably something that happens to kids you gotta be careful like i'm telling you all i needed was and we can't guess what our kids are thinking or what they're what they're processing as fear but mm -hmm. to have that but you could talk to them like yeah. you to your point is then your dad or your mom should have been like wait why are you dressed like this like hey, hey what's going on buddy like are you okay <laughs> all the stuff but my parents that. never did that it was like Oh, he's not complaining. Okay, we're good. You know. <laughs> you know, yeah. what I think I think about. Um, I drove out to California at the beginning of Jan uh, the end of December, twenty twenty. I, I drove out there with one of my my good buddies, Nick, um, and we helped we helped Nick build a business called the RV Fit Guy. It's a mobile fitness studio and and online coaching and training for nutrition and fitness. It's really neat. He was heading out there. I said, "I'll I'll jump on. I'll roll with you." And I was thinking, we were talking about this one night. We we're in the middle of the country. I was like, dude, dude, can you imagine? Like, look how far we're driving. And it's still long. Can you imagine the freaking people who had to walk this? You know, who came into the East Coast from Europe and were like, yeah, let's, um, let's just start heading west. And they walked 1,200 miles or 1,500 miles to the middle of the country. And they're like, we still have halfway to go. And it's been two years already. Like, they're yeah. miserable. They don't have a clue how to deal with anxiety or fear. And they had real problems. Not the first world stuff we had. They had real problems. People were trying to kill them. There was disease. There's no medicine. It's the cold. They don't know seasons. There's no internet. I mean, they have real problems. And the, yeah. fear, and the fear that they felt that they most likely just passed on to their kids and passed on to their kids. 
like how many generations does it take to wean out of that you know yeah i mean i think it can it can be weaned out in a generation yeah if you do the deep work and that's hard you know like we have to dig into these fears we gotta dig into these struggles we gotta say okay why is this pattern keep happening again and again and that to me like when my father was passing, uh, so my mom's still alive, but my father passed, uh, he was 70. And I remember going in to the ICU and seeing him like this tough German dude who owned his own business as an electrician. Like I thought he was the toughest guy on earth, right? When I was like five, but he was completely lost all his muscle mass, tied the tubes and monitors. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I think I'm going to lose my dad, you know? And I broke down and I, I cried right there. I was like, wow. And I think when that happens, that to me was like a turning point. Like I was, cause everything flashed, like things my dad did good and bad. And I was like, I can use all this to make my life better, but I've got to dig deep. Right. And that's when I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? And that's when I went back to a gratitude journal and I really started going deep. And I, I wrote a book called Bring Gratitude based off that experience of my father passing. And that's when I realized like, oh, it's much more than just gratitude. It's training your mind to be able to see any struggle or obstacle as an opportunity. That's when you can really say like, and that's, I think, teaching our kids that resilience. Like, you're going to have trauma. Like, no matter, even when we remove all this, you know, bad stuff out there, there's always going to be a level of trauma because we've always leveled up to a certain extent and everything's so great. But even that light stuff, like I can't imagine what you're right. Like Lewis and Clark being chased (laughs) by wolves, you know, like how did they even process that? You know, like, but they did. And I think the ones that survived are the ones that were resilient and learned and grew and like, okay, how can we make sure like, you know, we, we form like, you know, a circle around our fire that like helps protect us versus like everybody being like 50 feet apart. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It's evolution. It's the stuff we and I were talking about before we started. There's an evolutionary piece. You have to learn something from each generation and it's not even each generation. It's really like, um, maybe it's like three to five year increments. You have to learn something. Obviously, information travels much faster today than it did way back when. Like, I think understanding how wars were fought, like how Lincoln sent messages to his generals in the Civil War and, and, uh, and how he, he kept that leadership and kept them in line. And, you know, that's, 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 we live in a now world. So to understand that it took four days by some guy who rode out of Lincoln's camp on horseback and had a determination to find, you know, like, how did he know that it got there? How did he know that it, you know, like, you know, how did the guy, how did he know that that guy wasn't a saboteur and burned that letter that night and then went and fought for the other team? Like, I, I, it's curious. I'm curious, like, obviously we'll never understand this, but what was somebody like that processing? Were they process or like Lewis and Clark getting chased by wolves? Were they actually processing those things or were they just understanding the inherent risk and they, their, their, their big why just outweighed any of the risks that were out there? No, oh, that's a great question, right? Like, yeah, that purpose behind that curiosity, that yeah. to me is what drives everything that we do. And that to me is like why I created the dig to fly method. Cause it's like, you gotta get curious. You gotta say, wait, okay, I'm getting angry again. You know, like this is, I keep doing it every time it's like dinner time. I'm getting angry. Like, you know, I'm yelling at my kids, like settle down. It's time for dinner. Come help. Like, you know, what am I doing? Why are these patterns keep happening again? And a lot of it was my dad. You know, my dad was like that. He was just like, everything had to be a certain way. Like, you know, no laughter at the table. When my kids start giggling and laughing and getting silly, my first reaction is to stop them yeah. because that's what my dad did. And I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like we're eating, we're all at the table, right. like they're having fun. Like, why do I want to squash that? You know? 
but it's that deep work of like noticing these patterns. And that's when I, I, I don't think I've explained the dig to flat. You want me oh, to explain yeah, it real please. quick? Mm-hmm. Okay. So real, the, the concept is, you know, the idea is you got a level set first. So, you know, what you have to do is like, let's say you have a struggle. And if you're listening out there, and you're struggling with, you know, a relationship with a loved one, uh, with a, a work issue, think about something in your head right now. Like, think about like, okay, this is a, a difficult thing. Like, okay, now on a scale of zero to 10, how difficult is this struggle? Zero being, ah, it's nothing to 10 being completely overwhelming. Now, if it's a seven, it's like, okay, it's pretty intense, but it's not like a 9.8, right? You know, 10 is like, you know, meteors are coming and hitting the earth and like you, you have like hours to live. <clears throat> but so let's say it's a seven, right? Now, if it's a seven, then it's like, okay, why? Why is this a seven? And coming back to your purpose, right? Like, why is this something that's so difficult for me? And that's when you start digging down, like, what's going on? What are these why am I, you know, acting this way? And it, it might not come at first. So you keep digging with the why. Like for me, I get angry. And my first reaction is like, well, my kids are acting crazy and we're trying to have a meal together. Right. And then I'm like, well, why does that matter to me? And then I, I think, well, they should behave. Well, why should they behave? Cause my dad wanted me to behave and now I'm getting somewhere. Now I'm thinking like, Oh, okay. Well, what are my expectations of my kids? And my expectations is them to like, you know, not go crazy and just sit there quietly. Well, is that fair to them? And I'm like, well, they're five and they're six and 11. Like, no, they should be laughing and having fun. Like these are memories we're making now. And if I squash them, they're thinking, oh, I better be quiet. I better not act up. And so then you go to, okay, if this is that number, question number three is expectations, then you go to, let's, let's flip it on, on its head. Now, what, do we, what am I grateful for about this situation? Well, my kids are laughing and acting silly. Maybe they're not eating like I'd like them to, but they're still eating and uh, we're having fun. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good thing. Well, what else am I grateful for? Well, we're all safe. We're all hanging out together. Grateful for that. And it's like, oh, okay, like, well, where's the opportunity? This is where we start with the internal part. Understand, that's question number five. Okay, where's the opportunity? What am I grateful for about this situation? So expectations and then grateful and gratitude? Yeah, zero to 10, why expectations, gratitude, and then opportunity. So five is opportunity. But start with the internal versus external first, because it's all about mindset. Well, internally, I've, the opportunity is me not to act like an a-hole like my dad and squash the fun in the room. Sure. Is to me to like tap into, oh, like I can learn and grow from this situation. I can be, you know, a, a more compassionate person by just not acting on that first anger response. And this same thing goes with work too. You know, when somebody pisses you off at work, you know, you don't need to act right away. Just get curious and go through these five questions. And then once you get that internal, do the external. Well, what action could I take? Well, an external, which is hard for me, is making fun of myself. <laughs> so my son is 11 and he, he's getting to that point where he wants to like laugh at all my mistakes and annoys the hell out of me because it annoys the hell out of my dad. So my dad would not put up with anything like no disrespect at all in this house. And I'm like, well, no, this is a chance for me to show him like we can laugh at ourselves. That's a good thing. Like that's a skill we should develop. And so then I'm like, that's my action is no, I need to, I need to lean into this and I need to laugh at myself. Because if I build that habit of no all respect in this house, then I'm going to have the same household my dad did. And then I'm going to, you know, repeat the same mistakes sure. that my dad which, made. Which is a lack of respect in a way because it's, it's, um, it's just the parent, just call it the parent, 
in their whatever they're feeling inside their miserableness and they they just you know it's like um i forget the word but it's just they they want others to be unhappy like they feel they want others to feel the way they feel and when you look at a kid this is why the school system is is uh is just so jacked up but like a kid is meant to play they're meant to have fun and learn through that and so when a parent obviously if a kid's like nuts and bouncing off the wall and breaking stuff and kicking holes in the wall like yeah okay you got a you got an issue but it's most likely something that the parent has to look at in terms of what they're feeding the kid what the kid's doing in school things like that and then you can go to the kid but uh or the inside of the kid but I just, I, I've seen so many people's parents and so many coaching clients that I've worked with in the past whose parents just wanted them to feel as miserable as they did because they, you know, uh, I was just talking with my coach about this. Like there is a, there, there are so many people in the corporate world that did that to please mom or dad or please society. And they've been in it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And now they're finally like, what the hell? what have I been doing this whole time? I, I want to be happy. You know, I want to learn something about myself here. You know, I want to dig in. And, yeah. but they also realized that they did the same thing to their kids. Like there's no, there's no laughing at the dinner table. That's disrespectful. If you're disrespecting me, like that's a problem, but it's just a kid laughing. That's what was kind of coming back. We were talking about making meaning. It's just a kid laughing, you know? So like yeah. my daughter flipped out twice today. Just, I said like one thing and she started hysterically crying. And I was like, look, I, I, I'm just going to leave you here and I'm going to walk downstairs. And when you get done, you can come down. And all I'm, all I'm asking you is just explain to me what's going on inside of you. Like, you're not in trouble. This isn't bad. I just, I'd like to understand because if I said something that hurt you, I'm going to not do that again. But all I, all I, you, you asked me for a pillow and I said, could I have just a little end of the pillow while I was snuggling you at 6 a.m. this morning and you flipped your lid on me? Not sure how I could do that any differently. So I'd like to understand what you're experiencing here. You know, I don't think many, many. So I, I, I did the dig the fly method on my son. He has had trouble in math and he was losing his shit. Like, just like your daughter. So it's this, this is, this is one of the biggest mistakes we go into as a parent is advice mode. Cause we know what's wrong. We see it, Of course. but like any good, a uh, coach knows advice mode never works, right? The person has to process what's going on. Yeah. So I did the dig the fly method on him. I was like, well, what on a scale of zero to 10, you know, like where and he's like, oh, it's like an eight. I was like, okay, like, why, why is this, why is this so tough? And all of a sudden, like he just opened up and he started like explaining what was going on. And I was like, I was like, that was a, an aha moment for me. Cause I was like, now, and then I freaked out. My wife had coronavirus and, uh, and then I had trouble breathing a couple of days later. So I thought I had it. And I was like, man, so I went straight to the like worst case scenario, both of us dying. dying I started yeah. having a panic attack. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh my, I started having a panic attack at like five in the morning. I'm in a separate room because my wife and I are, you know, trying to stay separated. And uh, so I'm freaking out. My heart rate's elevated. I'm, I, I'm literally going like, I'm pacing the room. I'm trying to breathe. Nothing's working. And I was like, man, all the meditation I've done has just flown out the window. Right. So I was like, <laughs> okay, you know how I, all of a sudden it popped in my head. Like, well, let's do the dig the fly method. And I was like, how difficult is this situation? I was like, it feels like a, a 9.8, you know? And I was like, okay, okay. And I went through the method. And I calmed down and I was like, holy shit, like it worked on that too. And that's when I was like, okay, now I know I have something when, you know, I can have a panic attack because I'm a cynic at heart. Like, I'm like, let me see if this actually works. And, uh, you know, when it started working on my clients, I, I still doubted myself, you know, and that's that inner bully, inner chatter, that lack of confidence that I have. But when I really said, okay, like, okay, let me give this a shot. Then I was like, okay, like now I have, and cause that was part of the thing is whenever you're marketing your business, like you have to believe in your stuff a hundred percent. Like you can't have any doubt. Like I still had doubt, but after that I was like, I'm all in. Like, I know I can, I can win anybody over now. So I was so, excited. 
It's so interesting. Interesting. You say that I, I was the, right before I got on with you, I was with my, my marketing and branding coach, Troy, and he, we are working on this lead magnet. And I'm like, I know it's taken two months. I know it's taken three months. And I know I worked on this last January, but I just, I just, I wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't feeling it. But I, it, it went from an eight step method. Like I have all these different, like, oh, this is, I have a three step method for this and a five step for this and a two step for this because I like making personal development very simple. It's like the way that I learned it was extremely complicated. The languaging was complicated. Like everything was just complicated and I wanted to make it simple. So I wanted to come up with all these little systems because I love um, cognitive and dialectical behavioral therapy and those exercises, which dig to fly, my four-step method, my eight-step method, it's all, it's all in that, it's all in that, is this what you're feeling here? Does it actually really come off like this? And let's work through it. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, all, it's all an yes. evidential piece. It's all bringing evidence into the craziness in your head. So I, I, lo I love that you say that until I worked through this, literally this month, I was telling you that I was, I was, I was challenged a lot when I was in LA because I was away from my children and it was very, I was, I was alone for half the time and, and it's alone in this house. And, and it was, it was challenging because I didn't have any distractions, no TV. I didn't even have any pots and pans. Like I had to borrow one from my buddy. I had like one fork, one cup. <laughs> that was it. And because I, I, somebody gave me this, this beautiful house in Beverly Hills to use. So I wasn't going to say no. It just didn't have any furniture. I had a bed on in one of the bedrooms and I was it. So I worked myself through wow. my own program just like you did. And then I was like, okay, all right, this, this works. I went on, yes. I, tweaked, I tweaked all the documents and I forwarded them back over to my partner, Aaron and, and to Troy. And I was like, this works, this works. Let's roll with this. This works. Cause now I can coach this very confidently. So I, I totally agree with you. Completely agree with you. Yeah. Go, go yeah. back through that, that, that dig to fly. So step one is the zero to 10. So put it on a scale. And the idea for that is to create an emotional like space, create some buffer because whenever you label something, you know, if you just say I'm angry, takes it down a few notches because you're, you're then separating like, Oh, this is anger. Right. And then you're starting to process it. So when you can say, oh, this struggle is a 8.2, whatever, yeah. or then you're just saying, okay, no, this isn't a 10. And then you're saying this is, no matter if anybody comes to me and they say it's a 10, I'm like, it's not. I can't help you because you're not ready yet. Like right. nothing can be a 10 because that means it's off the charts. And that means you're just, your brain is not ready to like, think in a flexible way. Right. So then it goes to why is the second question and then expectations. Yep. And the why is important because that's when you start digging down and you start digging into it. Then it start, you start to get to that, like, where is that? And I like to think of them as internal diamonds. Like you can, you can uncover diamonds. Like who knows like how many people have uncovered a diamond hundreds of years ago but were like, oh, just covered in coal and grime and didn't know what they had, right? And they just yeah. tossed it aside. Yep. That's how I feel about these emotions. Like, man, every time I get angry, I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Like, why is that happening, you know? The old me was like, oh, like, oh, that's, that was stupid. Like, you know, I start pushing that anger away. Yeah. Now I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, and then I'm like, oh, like, this is fascinating. So then the third question is expectations because that's when we, our look on life doesn't match with what we want or need, then there creates emotion. When you can realize, when you're more accepting of whoever it is that you're struggling with, uh, more accepting of uh, bad uh, traffic, like, man, I used to get so pissed off in traffic. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm in a car, it's got AC, it's got heat, I got music, I can call anyone that I want at World. any time. Hey. Why am I angry? You know, like, yes, my expectations is I should be th at this place by now, but the reality is I'm not, and I have to accept that and then be grateful for what is around me. Um, and that's that question number four is great gratitude. Um, just 
use that as your emotional switch. Because when you can start being grateful for your struggles, oh man, that's when life gets fun. Because then you're like, oh, like bring it on, you know, Lord, I got anything, you know, I'll, I, I can handle this. Um, and then the last one is that, you know, those opportunities, because everything that we have that is that that's going on in our life is a chance for us to grow and learn from. Sure. And when we take Love that them. mindset, man, anything's possible. So scale of one to 10, asking your, yourself the question, why am I like, why is it like this? Why am I feeling this way? Third one, expectations, basically what, right? What am I mm-hmm. um, grateful for in this situation? Or, or sorry, what is, um, what is it? Why, why does, what I wrote down was, the look on life doesn't match what we need and, and what we're actually experiencing. Yeah. Yep. And then we get frustrated. Right. Because it's not matching. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't, doesn't match is probably the go. I'm just want to simplify because I'm going to try and put this out um, in our um, show notes and in our, in our social media stuff. I, I want to put, this out so people can just be like look here's your dig to fly method step one through five real easy like instead of it being a quote from you it'll be one through five if that's okay with you and then yeah they'll they'll see it's yours yeah and then uh if they want they can go to dig to fly up and get the printable i created a printable that they can get they just sign up give their email and then they can because what i like is when people print it out and actually write down, there's a visual component. Like another thing that works too is recording yourself. Cause when you hear yourself saying these things, you get another perspective on it or you see it written down. Yeah, totally. You get another perspective on it. Totally. Yeah. So then from there, somebody works through these things and it was a question I wanted to ask you earlier and I freaking blanked on it. I should have wrote it down. Oh, gratitude journaling. That's something you brought up earlier was yep. gratitude and gratitude journaling. And um, like, tell, tell me a little bit about, about that. And besides the five-step method, like, I want to speak to the people that are listening right now in whatever they're experiencing, whether Corona kicked their ass, whether they maybe lost somebody or they are pissed off about the election or their household isn't, you know, income isn't where they want or whatever it is. What else can they do besides the five step? Like give them some action items from this recording that they can literally stop listening when they stop listening and go take care of. And their life is shifted in some capacity because they listened to this show today. Yes. So there's two things. The first one is the gratitude journal. And the reason is a gratitude journal helps release um, serotonin and, 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 uh, dopamine. Dopamine is the get up and go. And serotonin is like, Hey, everything's cool, buddy. You don't need to freak out. Right. So, well, what ends up happening inside the brain when you think about what you're grateful for is if you think about what you're grateful for in the moment, serotonin kicks in. If you're grateful for the opportunities, uh, that's when you can start you start motivating yourself without even realizing it. And that's where like, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld says, the brain is a puppy, the mind is infinite. And if you think of that, like it just needs practice. You need to practice these things. So writing a grad, I tell people at the end of the day to do the gratitude journal and to do it for 30 days because you'll start to see the effects of the positive effects especially at the end of the night because what happens when you sleep is as you're sleeping your brain synapses solidify so you are the most impactful thing and the things you think about at the end of the day go into your long-term memory so if you're thinking positive thoughts you're doing positive things you're encouraging yourself that's the stuff that's going to go into your long-term memory and you're more likely to do it the next day so most of us are wired for fear because it's how we survive. And it's, and this, you know, going back to, you know, the Lewis and Clark days and, and every generation is like, we are taught to be afraid because it's how we survive. Now, the problem is, is things have changed. We need to be able to be more positive and think about things in a more positive way so we keep 
uh, enjoying life much more and we're able to appreciate life more than we ever did before. Like I'm happier now than when I was in my twenties. Sure. And it's because I've taken the time to dig into this stuff and learn from it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I wish I knew what I, you know, uh, what I know now, I wish I knew in my 20s. But all this stuff sort of led up to and added up to it, you know. So now my yeah. late 30s, my 40s, my 50s, like going on, everything will be just so much brighter because of who I am today from those experiences. So we can't be pissed off at those experiences. They happen. We responded the way we did. You know, I always tell people, like, if there's somebody that really freaking hurts you, really hurts you, and you just cannot let this thing go, at a certain point, you're going to have to make peace with it. You're going to have to understand, like, I had a scumbag loser business partner, just criminal through and through, stole a shitload of money, 2019, <sighs> a shitload of money. Um, and nothing happened to him. Nothing. No jail, no lawsuits, nothing, right? Everybody came after me. Because I was the guy standing there with a little thing called integrity. And, and everybody knew that. And I said, look, I mean, this is, you know, obviously I didn't steal your money. I didn't do anything wrong here. But, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a part of the company, so I'm going to have to take it on. And for about two weeks, I was really angry, like real rage angry. And, um, but it never led to action because I knew that those actions would be very short. They would be very quick and they would, the, the, the feeling would be very short lived. And the, the results of that would be very long term because I wasn't going to just go have a conversation. You know what I mean? We we're going to make some furniture yeah. move. So yeah. I, I, I thought about that and I was like, yeah, I'm really angry and I really need to talk with someone about this. So I, I let myself, um, I let myself uh, self-medicate for a week, for about two weeks. And I said, look, you, this is your choice. I don't want to go on prescriptions. So I'm going to use alcohol and marijuana to calm myself because I, I was irate, not so much at him, but at myself for making the mm -hmm. decisions that I did, which were to not check the accounts as much as I told myself I would. And what the guy was doing was he was just skimming hundred bucks here, 500 bucks there, and just paying for personal stuff. And like, dumb stuff like liposuction for himself. I mean, it's dumb, but I was really upset with myself because I didn't hold my standards. And so I feel like the responsibility that I learned there was, okay, yes, I can be pissed off at this kid for the stupid shit he did. And like, just the, just the low level thinker he is. And, 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 but that's just kind of the result of me not doing my job that I said I would do. And I actually got to face that shit. And that sucks. And then all of a sudden yes. it was like, fuck this kid to, oh, you know, if I, if I would have held to the standards that I set, frankly, if I would have listened to my dad, I wouldn't have been in this situation, <laughs> right? I go to my dad for everything, all the advice. And I went to my dad and he said, what do you, what do you think? And I said, well, I think I trust him about 95%. There's something I don't trust about him. Like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not judging that he's a former addict and saying all former addicts aren't trustworthy. I know plenty of former addicts that I trust with my life, but he's a former addict that I, I was, there's just something I don't trust about him. And my dad said, there's, there's no 95%. It's a hundred or zero. So make your choice, but it's a hundred or zero. And I was mm, like, that was wise. Okay. All right. I, think I'm gonna well we already signed a lease dad stupid you know lease like we signed this lease and you know we got we got credit cards and like business accounts together so look, we're just we're gonna see how it goes and then you know fast forward a couple months and there's like hundreds of thousands of dollars gone but wow that was because of the it's fucking hard to how do you admit but that it was be, it wasn't because of me not checking but because of me not checking it allowed it allowed the thief sneak in at night and just steal right so mm -hmm. that right there was a level up and then i had to process through the gratitude and the things that i was grateful for that i'm safe my family's you know gonna be fine like it's a lot of money but we luckily know how to make a good amount of money and we'll be fine and we're gonna have to pay all these people back in some capacity somehow there's actually a lot that i was grateful for which exactly it stopped me from thinking the really dark thoughts in my head which I think anybody would think if they're stolen from or 
know, to get deceived like that, especially from someone that they consider a friend and, and they're close to. But yeah, I, 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 I really and, and like the, the method. Yeah. And the people out there, like you can practice this on the small stuff. Like I yeah. joined a uh, trampoline place, like right before a monthly subscription, right before Corona hit. Right. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I'll take my kids each month. <laughs> and, uh, and then Corona hit. And I was like, ah, so it was like, you know, it was like 40 bucks a month, but like that adds up, like, you know, yeah. that's a half a grand a year, you know? And I was like, so I tried to cancel it while I was in a year contract. Oh. And then I tried to cancel after a year and it was, you know, like it just came up. Oh, so we, we started, yeah, right before. So it was October before Corona. So we only had it six months. And then I was like, okay, like that's all right. Six more months. Well, I kept trying to call. I kept getting charges. I called up my credit card. And I remember that inner bully coming out, like I knew better than to sign up for this monthly. Right. I should have just paid one-offs. Same thing. Like, you know, you're always like, oh, I'll get this, you know, extra thing. And then like, you know, when you're on the hook each month and I was like, I knew better. There was this thing in the back of my head that was like, and I called myself stupid. And I remember catching that thought and I was like, it's okay, Carl. Like yeah. we are allowed to make mistakes. And I was like, Oh, like that's, it's working. Like I'm changing my mindset instead of like just allowing my inner bully free reign and just beat the hell out of me. Now I'm building up that like inner teacher part of myself. That's like, remember that yeah. great teacher you had back in like high school or college or whatever the one that believed in you and you're like, yeah, why do you believe in me? Yeah. You needed that person. Yeah. And like, we need to build that up in ourselves. And when we do, ah, oh, man, it just Beautiful. like makes everything easier. Yeah. And self-talk. Look, I, I, like, I, like I gave myself permission to beat myself up. And I said, you got two weeks, whatever you need to do in two weeks, you can talk however you want. And then you, you can, you can abuse whatever you need to abuse. You can cope and, and avoid and whatever. But here are the ground rules. You can't take it out on the family because they need you right now because they're probably scared, but my wife's just probably not going to voice it as much as she want, probably would want to. She needs to know that I'm strong and I'm not going to melt after this because I need to figure out how to get us through this. So you can take two weeks and you can do your thing. And I shared that with my wife. I said, give me two weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just, do my thing for two weeks. I might smoke some cigarettes. I might drink some alcohol in the morning. That's fine. <laughs> like, but after two weeks, it will be over. And I will shift my mindset from, and I will basically do a case study and say like, see what that two weeks got me. Now watch what this next two weeks gets me by having that positive self-talk and like processing through the gratitude that I actually have from this. I mean, it actually made my marriage stronger. Right. Because it was a, yes. it, it's a train that just drove across a bike bridge. But luckily we, we dismantle and, and stress test the relationship every day. So all the little cracks in the welds under the bridge, we fill those in every day. So when the train hit it, yeah. it was like shaky and wobbly, but it was like, oh, we're going to be fine. I promise we're going to be fine. The relationship was going to be fine. Plus my wife was pregnant at the time. So that was even oh, harder. And yeah, I mean, but gratitude, journaling what was great about that situation and really understanding how I could learn from it quickly, how I could pivot from it quickly. You know, the anxiety and the, you know, the wolves bearing down on my camp, so to speak, like that was, that was the money looming. It was a great amount of money, huge amount of money. And I'm thinking, how the fuck, how am I going to pay this off? Like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. And I wound up doing it. I mean, even today we still have still a considerable amount left, but it's not, you know, it's, it's 80% of it's paid back. And that's great. The number one thing that I said was every single day, the universe sets you up this way. This didn't happen. This happened for a reason. Like it didn't happen by happenstance. So let's make sure we're very cognizant and aware of every single thing that the universe did for us here. And one of the hard money lenders that had a couple, a couple million out, that I had a couple million out with on some properties that this kid and I bought together, um, that guy and I are like, like close. 
great friends. He was a phenomenal mentor to me. I mean, I basically just said to him, like, look, I, I understand I owe the money. We can try and figure out what to do with the properties. But I, what I want you to know is I have integrity to my word. I will not let you down. I want to learn from you, so you and I need some help here, like just mentally, like I need someone to guide me. So, and the guy took me under his wing and now like we're, we're great friends and I'm heading down to his house this weekend. He's an amazing person. I wouldn't have met him if it weren't for this situation. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. I had coaching clients yeah. that led through not going through that shit because I went through that and I was able to cut through the bush and had a map. So I, it, it, it you know, I, I, I benefited greatly from it in my experience and my understanding of how to guide people, you know, every struggle, man. It's, yeah. and, and that's really, if, and we, as we get older, we can speed up this recovery process. Like if this would ever happen to you again, God forbid, maybe it wouldn't, it would take like three days instead of two weeks. Right. Like you yeah, would totally. get mad and then you'd be like, Oh, I know I have this roadmap. I know what to do. Yeah. And for my mom, if she's listening, I didn't go crazy. It wasn't like I went on some <laughs> in Vegas and spent 50 grand. No, like I, I did, I had the first two days I did put some shots of vodka in my smoothie. I'll, I'll admit that. I, and I, and I sat and I had a conversation with myself and I said, look, I'm going to allow this, but this is it. Like this is, there's a limited time, you know, like my whole, my dad's whole side of the family struggled with alcohol and I, and I don't, I, I'm very blessed that I didn't have to. So I gave myself rules. Like here's a time frame, and here are the rules. You're not going past this. Like you want to have a shot in your smoothie in the morning, get a little, get a little looser, fine. But you don't like only on days where you don't have to drive anywhere, right? You're gonna work from home. No, no, you don't have to take your daughter anywhere, and make sure your wife knows so that if God forbid she has something happen to her, like she knows not to trust you to drive if you've had a shot of vodka in the morning. <laughs> it's not responsible. I know that. So any of you are judging me, it's not responsible. It's just, it's what I felt like I had to do with the amount of uh, education and clarity. Like I needed something to take the edge off for a second, just to let me think a little bit to process. And I, and again, I was responsible. I gave myself rules. Like I gave parameters. So I didn't get crazy, crazy. I did, you know, whatever. I took a couple of shots and I smoked some cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's the key, right? Is like you made sure that you set yourself up, right? Like right. you had this intention in your head and I think that's the one of the, that's a really good lesson for people who are listening is sure. like, it's not just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, hopefully it works. It's like, it's intentional. Like when I tell people to do a gratitude journal or the dig the fly method, I say, do it for 30 days, watch what happens. So if you do dig the fly on just once a day, at the end of the day, like what was one little thing that angered you or saddened you or frustrated you? and just process it and watch what happens if you do it for 30 straight days. Cause then what's going to happen is you're going to see results and you're going to be like, Oh, like I see. And you might be, you might be like, okay, I got this. I don't need to do this every time. Like I don't do dig to fly every time I got a little annoyance, but I had set the groundwork already. Totally. And now on Sunday mornings, I, I, I always take, I keep a journal and there's, I write down little annoyances, things that bother <laughs> me. Like, you know, uh, I asked to be on a, uh, um, I asked somebody, you know, big to be on my podcast. They, they said no. And I'm like, you know, and I'm just, I could feel that little bit of twinge of anger. Well, I process, I take that time and every Sunday morning. And then I'm like, oh man, it's just this like cleanse for the soul. And I'm like, oh, like I always forget, like, you know, this, this does work, you know, like oh. I'm excited about that. You know, I love that, man. You got a cool thing yeah. here. You got a really cool thing here. And, and um, I'm glad we had you on and, and you got to share that with our audience because I know that I get so many messages from people. It's actually really nice to hear and, and see that something that you're doing selflessly. I don't know if it's totally selfless. I mean, I think there's, a, there's, I think there's therapy and growth in here for me too. And for all the guests that come on, uh, it's not, I don't think it's all about the growth of the audience. I think, I have to level up and grow. Like I can't not be able to talk to you about stuff like this. I can't be totally ignorant to it, you know, and asking you dumb questions. Mm -hmm. I, we have to get deep. So I, I love that uh, the audience gets to benefit from this and your method and the stuff that you've been through and the stuff that I've been through. And like, that's, that's just really special. It's really special. And I know we're going to get some really cool feedback from, uh, 
from what people are going to get from this method that you've come up with. It's cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Like if anybody has any questions about it, um, I do dig to fly sessions with people. I'm putting a training together. Cause to me, like we should be able to do this for ourselves. We shouldn't have to go to a therapist once a week. Right. We should be able to like, you know, like, and therapy is great. Like, okay, you need the level set, but the problem with therapy is like, the therapists need you to keep coming back each week. They don't want to let you go and like, Oh, you're healed now. Go on. You know, (laughs) they are, they're incentivized to keep you. And I think the idea for this is like giving yourself mental models that you can use and you don't need to like hire anybody or, you know, keep anybody to like, you know, keep teaching you the same thing again and again, like you can do it for yourself. Yeah. That's what, that's what we, like my, um, uh, my coach Troy was saying like, look, man, the people that want to hire you, they want to hire you for a three, six or nine months or a year period to take them through a journey, but they don't need you to take them through these four steps. They can actually do some of that work themselves. If you guide them through it, they can do a lot of the, I call it like the breaking up the bedrock, right? You can't coach somebody that has a shit ton of bedrock around the soft center. It, it's not going to happen. You're only going to get to the bedrock and then you have to dynamite that bedrock. Like as the coach. But what those, like what dig to fly or what our four-step method or eight-step or whatever, you know, what, how many ever we have, that starts to break the bedrock. So when somebody says, okay, now I'm ready to jump on this train, then you can take them on a six-month journey of real growth and development because they've already done the work themselves. And now you see that they are ready to do the work. They're coachable. And that's yes. a cool thing. That's a yeah. really cool thing. Yeah, I love it, man. I yeah. love it. Well, look, this is... uh this has been fun. This has been really fun. I love having these conversations. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Get vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, this is a, um, becoming more common, but it's still rare, you know, like, yeah. especially, you know, guys are, you know, with kids like, you know, thirties and up, like we're yeah. just learning how to be able to do this now. And like, this is, can be fun if we're willing <laughs> to like take that time to dig in with each other, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, like literally at the end, you know, I, um, I, I highly doubt that anybody and we, and nobody, nobody, whoever's listening, you and I together, like we don't know what the end is like with thought, with thought processes and, and depression and anxiety you feel at the end when you know, there's not another day left. And, um, and part of you, part of you built this because of you watching your dad go through that. But I'm going to guarantee that your dad wasn't thinking about his electrical business or his, uh, you know, his dad and like things like that. He, he wasn't thinking about that at the end. And I don't think anybody is. I think they're processing what they didn't do or they're maybe they're not even thinking that they're just thinking like just they're, they're out in space somewhere. But like I think about when you when you go down that road, and you got now you have 50 years behind you. Now you got 70 years behind and you're looking at, you know, you're not you're not looking at the front nine anymore. What would it, what, what it, will it feel like to actually know that you put the work in and you, and you, and you took the risk and the chance to, to uproot some things in yourself to be the most purposeful human or to live the best quality of life or to teach somebody something you, know, you were the model of? I think about that stuff. And this is the stuff that helps people do that. And I think that the work that you and I are doing is helping people live a, a, a less regretful life, a more purposeful life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. If you can be intentional every day, like, okay, like what's, what can I do to like learn from, from this? What can I do to just improve a little bit? And then it's like, okay, like, man, if you just like 1% a week, you know, like by the end of the year, you're so much happier, but it takes, it takes effort and it takes time and it takes patience with yourself. And man, I know I didn't have much patience. It's been <laughs> taking me years to build that up. And it's, you know, but it's a practice. And I know that. And I'm like, okay, back to the drawing board. Let's go get it again, you know? I love it. Well, look, everybody, I, uh, um, for more information on Carl, you can go to our website, mentalpurposepodcast.com. Everything will be in the show notes. Carl's website, digtofly.com. The method will be there. I'm going to try and get the method on an Instagram little tile so we can post that up. And um, if you need Carl, reach out to him. Other than that, 
Carl, dude, thanks for being here. Oh, man, I had a blast, man. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, everybody, we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Thanks, dude. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.